welcome into this Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm Zane Hopin, joined by Chris Cartman and Kalen Jones. And today we're going to recap the Oregon State victory for the Sun Devils and then look a little bit into the Territorial Cup. But we're going to get more into that later in our premium podcast. But before we start, guys, how are we doing? Good. Doing awesome. Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Oh, yeah. How, how was the trip? Foggy. It was. It was cool, though. Like, I've never been to Oregon. It was really pretty. I liked it. It's just really cold. Yeah. Uh, the, it, it, the weather wasn't great, it, it, uh, but it didn't rain on us much until we were leaving on Sunday evening. And, uh, and uh, cool, but not overly cold. Much better than that 2014 experience where it was like 20-something degrees <laughs> during the game. Um, it was f- pretty foggy, right, Caitlin? But like, uh, yeah. Even before the game started, especially, and then it kind of lifted a little, a little bit, and um, and uh, but everything, you know, went fine about the trip. Yeah, see, I'm not used to that because I'm from Southern California. And by you know, eleven, it usually burns off, and it just kind of stuck there. So it didn't burn experience. off, and then and then it was like pitch dark by five p.m. That's oh yeah, it's different. That's yeah. definitely different. Well, you That's like Northwest. you look outside, it was like five p.m. and you're thinking it could be like three a.m. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 pretty crazy. <laughs> but uh, before before we really get into the game, um, obviously Ace, you got the win, forty to twenty four, a hot start with scripted offense, uh, and you know Manny th- had one of his better throws of the year in my opinion on that touchdown to Kyle Williams. Yeah. But um, before we really look into the numbers and all that, just uh, what, were, what were your guys' impressions just being there and, and, you know, observing that game? They took it really seriously. Like, um, not to say that they don't take any other game seriously, but for them to come out the way that they did, both offensively and defensively, I thought they set the tone both through the air and on the ground. Uh, their offensive line continues to play at a better level than, you know, they've played in previous weeks. I think it's starting, you know, it's the end of the year, but it's nice to see that they finally – have come together to this point and really set the tone for everything they were able to do defensively. So they took care of business. I thought Oregon State looked like the uh, that post-interim coaching transition buzz wore off, mm. and there wasn't really much left uh, from the Beavers. And um, they'll probably get up for the, the Civil War up there. But other than that, it, this was like a game where they're just kind of going through the motions early. And then I think ASU took its foot off the gas after the 30 nothing lead, and then that's when we saw Oregon State get some momentum and parlay that momentum into some points. Uh, ASU started playing a little bit di- different defensively. Uh, um, overall, I agree with Kalen's point. It was another step forward for ASU's rushing attack. I think that pretty much if you just measure this team by, by month from September to October to November, you see very clear progress in each of those months in terms of the the overall play at the line of scrimmage, the blocking, uh, understanding what players are capable of doing, the, the way that the running backs, and in particular Demario Richard has played, uh, all that's really sort of started to pop. And then um, in this game, they, they decided from the outset to really sort of open it up, knowing that they probably could with some of the passes, the, you know, the play action, first one to Darby, who's a bigger play guy that they hadn't gotten involved much earlier on that you mentioned the, the Kyle Williams touchdown catch along the scene, which was a really nice throw and, and Wilkins had a few others as well in that, in that game. So I uh, you much more talented team and, um, you know, just came into it probably on more of an edge and that they just kind of carried through to what really felt like a blowout until late laser focus. 
Laser focus. And you talk about that rushing attack, Chris. This was only the fourth time in Demario Richard and Kalen Bellage's tenures at Arizona State that each of them had 100-plus yards in one game. Uh, the last time it happened was against Texas Tech in 2016. A lot of people remember that game for Kalen Bellage's dominance. But Kalen Bellage had 137 yards in that game. Demario had 109 and um, in this game. Demario with 119 on 17 carries and Kalen Bellage with 103 on 19 carries. The other two times came in 20, both came in 2015 against Oregon and against Arizona. So, I mean, better late than never, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, now that we're here at the end, at the end of both of their careers, I mm-hmm. mean, if you would have said when they're, when they're sophomores in 2015, that there would only be two more times after that sophomore season that both would have a hundred yards in a game, I'd, I'd be shocked. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought that they would be, you know, one of the best tandems in school history, just based off the way that they produced their sophomore year. You add a new uh, running backs coach in John Simon, who was able to produce two 1,000-yard rushes in Jalen Richard and um, I can't remember the other dude, Ish, Ish Smith or Ido Smith or something like that. But, I mean, it, it's really odd to me that they weren't able to ever find any continuity between the two. But I guess that goes to the fact that they had three different coordinators over the past three seasons as well. So, I mean, it's not, I guess, not necessarily a complete waste, but it's good to see that there there's signs of improvement towards the end. It just feels like there kind of was a little bit of a waste of both their talent during their time here. strikes me as primarily related to the offensive coaching turmoil, the transitions of going to Norvell, to Lindsey, to what we're seeing this year with Napier. Um, Demario Richard was hurt last season, right? And, and admitted, you know, after the year that it was a lot worse than he probably let on. Uh, I, I still say again that this 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 point that we're making here, uh, the only four times in in Kalen Balaj's career that he had over 100 yards rushing, in each of those games, Demario Richard also had 100 yards rushing. That yeah. that says more about the opponent than it does about any individual player's capability or lack thereof. I mean, there's probably a lot of dudes that could have run 100 for 100 yards against those teams and, and, and did and have. Um, but uh, to, to me, it really speaks to what's capable with this offensive staff in the running game in general, you know, because uh, ASU fans are going to be moving on pretty quickly from this season and really you know, nothing against these players, but from the players also, because it's not like these guys are going to, you know, Demario Richard, you know, could, is got a chance to put his name into the, the record books in a few different categories, mm-hmm. but um, it, the you, people get re- remembered by when you're having those types of performances when you're winning ten games or, or more, right? So, uh, so for, I'm kind of rambling, but my point, <laughs> my point is that it is really that ASU seem if this staff remains intact, mm-hmm. that ASU seems set up pretty well moving forward given that they have four offensive linemen coming back Manny Wilkins coming back receivers coming back we've already seen Eno Benjamin if you look at his yards per carry it's probably better than Kalen Balazs on the season or right around that Um, so I I just think that they're that they're showing a glimpse of actually what's possible for them moving forward and I've always sort of thought that the offensive line was going to mature and come into its own this season and that was a little bit um sort of knock back a peg yeah, by the by the, the coaching transition. But so now it looks like maybe next year is the year where they really kind of fully uh, uh, break out. Mm-hmm. And another interesting stat about this game, Manny only threw the ball 
<clears throat> 19 times for 167 yards. And, you know, they ran the ball 49 times. And, and, you know, this could be the fact that they're, you know, trying to run the clock for most of the second half. Or it could be the fact that maybe they're figuring out that time of possession yeah. <laughs> and, and play count is important, which is something we've been saying all year. So I, I guess, you know, how much how much of it was, you know, we're going to run the clock out and how much of it, you know, just just from what you think, mm-hmm. just watching this game, how much of it was, you know, maybe we should pound the ball yeah. more. <laughs> well, it was a little bit a mixture of both there. And then even arguably in the first quarter when the kill here wasn't out there, I think Manny Wilkins had most of his completions during that first quarter. So it could be just the fact that Nikhil Harry wasn't out there until later on in the game by the time the game was out of reach. But I don't, I don't know. Like, it's a mixture of both because you talk about the time possession, you talk about the, the type of team that they have. I think, you know, you've played the bulk. You don't want the opponent to have the ball at all and have chances to score. And it placates better to your personnel grouping to run the football more. So I, I think those two added up to the amount of rushes that they had. Well, I think in general, ASU played a much – better pace for just for itself in this game than trying to really up tempo and go crazy like against UCLA, which I didn't think was a really good strategy. If you look at it, ASU had 20, uh, ASU gets out to a 16, nothing, uh, score early in the first, in the first game, the first quarter, I should say ASU ran 23 plays to 11 by Oregon state in the second quarter. ASU ran 19 plays and scored four, 14 more points. So ASU, um, you know, had 30 points and ran, uh, what is that, 19 and, and 23 plays. You know, they ran f- 42 plays in the first half to get to 30 points. That's pretty good. Now, there, there's there's less there's less of a concern when you're playing a team that um, that you're, you're not worried. If you're ASU, you're not worried about Oregon State's uh, potency offensively. They, they don't average anywhere near as many yards per play or points per possession as a UCLA or, or whatever. And so then as a result of that, it's not really as much of an issue, but it, j- but it does speak to what ASU's overall type of team really is this season. Uh, and so in that respect, it's really not a surprise that in an overall game where you had uh, 70 plays for Oregon state and 68 for ASU, uh, the, the, the game worked out very well for ASU. They, the, the yards per play, so we all agree that ASU dominated the game, even though it was a 16-point differential. Right. But ASU averaged 6.7 yards per play, and Oregon State 5.4 yards per play. That's not like some crazy, you know, uh, uh, separation between those two. But um, but the game was much more in ASU's wheelhouse, and so I think that's kind of why it felt the way that it did. Well, so how so how much of this? can ASU really take away and be like, oh, we did really well in this or, you know, we're really good at this because, like, you know, we talked about Oregon State as definitely the worst team in the Pac-12, yeah. but a team that has improved, you know, really since their their coach left. But yeah. so, like, what do, you, what do you take away from this game if you're ASU other than, you know, maybe just a confidence boost? Yeah, and that really might just be, you know, it. It might just be the fact that it's a confidence boost. You look at the way that they were able to establish the line of scrimmage though offensively, I think that's probably where you look forward and you say, hey, we were able to get DeMar Richard only, what was it, 17 touches, and he was still able to generate 119 yards or whatever it was. And then you look at Manny Wilkins being able to find, you know, creases both in the running game and the passing game. Kalen Balazs able to get going to an extent. So I, I think this is just a confidence boost. It's just a reminder, like Chris was saying earlier, it's a 
look forward at what this staff is capable of doing. Sure, it's against a lesser opponent, but this is the blueprint that I think you look at ASU says and says, hey, like this is what we're able to do at our full you know, peak. What it comes down to ultimately is football is one and loss at the line of scrimmage. It's not one and loss by a receiver beating a DB on average or a running back beating a linebacker on average or anything like that. ASU first quarter has 147 rushing yards. Uh, Oregon State has 35 rushing yards. Oregon State doesn't have a third down conversion in the first quarter. Oregon State has one third down conversion in the first half. And ASU barely is even in situations where it needs to have third down conversions for scoring 30 points. That because the, because ASU uh, basically played in the backfield, and ASU uh, offensively dominated the line of scrimmage, reset it, and was playing on Oregon State side of the ball, and that's basically how you how you most predictably can win football games. Mm-hmm. And so so one of the reasons I asked that is because you know when you when you're looking ahead to the rivalry game against Arizona and how well they run the ball, I knew you were going there. Oregon State is a team that primarily or at least should run the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you have Ryan Nall, Thomas Tyner. I mean, Garrettson is a, is a competent runner. Right. And then you look at the box score after this game, and they throw the ball 37 times and run it 33 times. You give Nall the ball only 12 times. And it, it's like yeah. it's like the one <laughs> real positive that you can say, all right, <clears throat> this ASU defense has to get ready for the best – one of the, the best non-triple option rushing attack in the entire country next week. And they throw the ball 37 times. Yeah. And it's, it's like, you know – the, really the one thing you can you can for sure say, no matter how good Oregon State is, they have talent in the backfield. They do. And didn't even get to really compete against it. It's weird. I, I don't think it will affect them too much as far as, like, you know, momentum carrying over, you know, from shutting down a good rushing attack, so to speak, and then carrying that over into the U of A game. Um, I still found it. I think the only reason why Oregon State was – you know, passing the ball so much to begin with was because they were trailing so they were behind and they yeah. didn't they couldn't run the ball in the second up. half. Yeah. And as effective as Nall was, he had twelve rushes for fifty two yards fifty two yards and a touchdown. Like they they were forty two. Or forty two. Forgive me. Yeah, that's that's only Nothing. What, like yeah, four three yards per three point five. Yeah. So. yeah, they they if you look at it, Nall actually only had one carry in the second half. So yeah, first half bad. he had eleven carries and remember Oregon State played like a 11 or 12 snaps in the in the first quarter. Uh, he got the ball on two on two first downs, uh, but but ASU was was too good, I think, def- defensively, and then the game just kind of got away from them, and then it became something that they really couldn't figure out a way with their style, what being what it is, to kind of claw back and get into it. Uh, Cam and I both thought. Throughout the game, that they should have got Jonathan Villeman in the game. Oh yeah, dude, Jordan Villeman. I mean Jordan Villeman. Yeah, he's a pro receiver, like against Kobe Williams. Yeah, like, yeah, like a six-five guy, two hundred and twenty ah! pounds, working against Kobe Williams. That made no sense. And you know he really didn't have any targets. I think he had. I think he had one target in the first quarter. Yeah. Maybe only a three or four in the first half. Um, but no, this 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 was just Zane ASU is a much better team than Oregon State. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 they 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 did what they should do, which is just kind of run over them and you know, and physically dominate them at the line of scrimmage. Well then, <laughs> yeah, I mean Oregon State has. Let's correct me if I'm wrong, but Oregon State still hasn't won a game in the Pac-12. No, you're right. I'm I'm just, I'm just trying to think of of you know what what this means going forward, and you know for who 
for for ASU going into next week? You know, what do you, how do you build momentum from a game like this? Well, so other you, than just the confidence boost. Yeah. So you capture, <laughs> is, is there any other way? You you handle business. I, I think that would be the message. That's laser focus. Know, yeah, laser focus. <laughs> you handle business. You captured bowl eligibility. Great. Now you're going to week or the final week of the season. You got your rival coming into town. Handle business again. Main thing. It's a reminder that good things happen when you're able to run the ball and when you're committed to running the That's ball right. early. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, you just got to make sure if you're ASU that you don't turn the football over. You don't have negative plays. We didn't go through this again, but I bet you they had almost no negative plays in this game. Oh, that's a good point. Right? Their best game you've already seen, a very, very clear pattern. Fewer than negative, fewer than five negative uh, 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 plays against Washington and Utah were wins. This game was probably almost certainly less than five. Those, that's their best winning strategy. Just don't turn the football over. Go for it. Run the football. Get yourself into manageable situations. No penalties. No interceptions. Fumbles. I don't think any. I don't think any running backs lost a fumble this year. Maybe no wide receivers lost a fumble this year. Um, ASU is going to need to put a big number on the board, I think, to beat Arizona. And 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 Arizona has a team that gets a lot of interceptions and plays a gambling style but then also gives up a lot of big plays and, and uh, has the worst passing defense probably in the league. Kalen, what are your your first – we're gonna we're obviously going to talk more about mm-hmm. the Territorial Cup on the premium, get really, really into it. Oh, yeah. But just a little teaser, your first thoughts on, on this game oh, this man. weekend. Khalil Tate's a problem. He's going to pose a significant problem. But um, obviously we'll dive into it more, but th- this is going to be a really weird, odd football game as, you know, what Territorial Cup game hasn't been. Aside from last year, that's true. Chris, any more on that? Uh, the, the territorial cup games tend to break the mold of expectations, and this is a season that has broken the mold of expectations for both teams. Yeah, so yes. you're kind of like you're you're overlaying that. You know, uh, I don't think it's a stretch really to say that Rich Rodriguez's jaw may have been saved by an injury to Brandon Dawkins. <laughs> that led to Khalil Tate yep. going out there and dominating, which, I don't know, guys, should your job be saved when you didn't have the ability to recognize that, that somebody that's else? That's what I've been saying. Like, if you didn't recognize that Khalil Tate should have been your dude, and then Khalil Tate goes out and, like, saves your job I by winning I feel like, if anything, that over, should be more of a reason that maybe you should be on the hot my, seat. I haven't watched Arizona as in-depth, like, at the beginning of the season. Like, lately, yeah, sure, once Khalil Tate was there, but... One, we don't know how Khalil Tate performed at practice, you know, throughout fall, spring, whatever. You know how Brandon Dawkins performed. (laughs) We do. We do. That's the thing. We do. But at the same time, like, you might just, you know, be better off going with the guy who comprehends your system. Presumably better. So I I see why. But also I get why you guys would feel the same way that you do because it is a little bit preposterous that, you know, a freshman is able to come in and do this and – tear up the league really. break a record in his yeah. FBS record in his first yeah. start and well look I think mm-hmm. I think you know the the only thing that needs to be said really here and we'll I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more but is more than any other game this season it, it really comes down to one player like how ASU does against Khalil Tate yeah is like almost the game um, I mean, and we Ro- saw Rosen. Rosen yeah. was kind of the same way. ASU versus player X. Ro- Ro- Rosen was <laughs> Rosen. Rosen was, but as we saw in that game, UCLA ran the ball pretty well, and that 
that played a role. And Jordan Lasley was was a was a key player in that game. I don't like just Tate. It's either on his arm or it's on his legs, so it's on him basically every snap, yep. except you know the handful of times that you you know you get your other running backs involved. So, yeah, I think he's like the the of anybody else who's played this season. It really comes down to him. I I, I would say X factor. Final thoughts on on the Oregon State game or final quick things on the Territorial Cup. Hey, we're going bowling. Guess who gets to go to a bowl game? Covers a bowl game. <laughs> <clears throat> Kalen's just getting very like borderline unprofessional about. The oh, fact. sorry. Oh, well, I don't. You know, <laughs> about the fact that he wants to cover a bowl care. game. Yeah, not not that you know. I'm from Southern California, so it's when been. When Kalen says we, he means like some yeah, level source. Okay, yeah, that's he means like the media's going it's bowling. Hard, okay, as well. look at look at look at. I, I could be very cruel about Arizona State because I'm pretty cruel about you know Arizona because I, I honestly I, I don't care about Arizona State. I grew up watching USC and UCLA. You're not either one. Sorry. Anyways, but yeah. <laughs> Wow, like now you're, you're digging, you're digging yeah. deeper here. <laughs> wow, so now you're alienating our entire audience. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh, cool. Great. Still love you guys. Good strategy. <laughs> Still love you guys. But I get the cover of Bowl Game. <laughs> Chris, anything? <laughs> My thoughts are just what I'm going to say to Cameron after the podcast. <laughs> All right, Hopefully well, I don't get fired. This, is, this has been our free podcast for the week. We'll have our premium, as always, diving into the biggest game of the year. And uh, thanks for listening.